3: You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big, I mean huge, for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to
0: get started.
3: <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the main event, Mark's podcast. I am lifelong wrestling fan, figure collector, the leader of the Jack brand in the Main Event Figure Federation. I am Troy, and with me, as always, is the leader of the Overdrive brand on the Main Event Figure Federation. He is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the Main Event Collector. He is the Rey Mysterio to my Conan. He is Greg. What's up, Greg?
1: What's up? Cool. I'm I'm the good one finally. Uh,
3: you're Rey Mysterio Senior. I I should
1: point still, that out. Still, still better than Conan. Hey,
3: well, how how dare you say that? Conan was like the Hulk Hogan of Mexico.
1: I don't I even mean. do with that.
3: <laughs> Oddly enough, he like people talk about that. Um, he was basically the Hulk Hogan of Mexico. For the longest time, they talked about, like, he would get, like, just mobbed walking down the street. He was so frickin' popular. And he was in, uh, what do they call him? The the soap operas in Mexico? Novellas or whatever the hell?
1: Telenovela, yes.
3: Telenovela, yeah. But he was in one of those. And apparently, in like, I don't know much about Mexican culture, but apparently that's, like, the peak of stardom down there is, I'm on a telenovela. <laughs> We're here in America. That's that,
1: it's true, it's true. That's what I'm like. <laughs>
3: Which is funny because it's like the that's like the reverse here in America. It's like, oh, you're on a soap opera. Oh, well, I hope your career gets off to a good start.
1: Well, I can literally go up from there, so it's fine.
3: Just ask John Stamos. But anyway, getting into the show today, man. We are talking about the Collision Course. It is Starcade 1990.
1: That is a hell of a title, by the way. Wink, wink.
3: Yeah. I mean. I kind of dig it, but at the same time, the I don't want to say it was misleading, because, I mean, it didn't lead me to think anything. I was like, okay, collision course, whatever.
1: But What did you think when you heard it?
3: Well, I'm thinking collision course. I was thinking something like, uh, you know, like when they say, oh, the mega powers explode or whatever. It's like, okay, two guys have been on this collision course to this m- epic main event.
1: Which, see, when I, when, I, when I heard it, I'm thinking, is this another crossover show? Something?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I can see that, too. And this one, eh, I don't know. It's it, it was more. It was like an international tournament was the theme of the show. Oh, by the way, this big storyline we've been building up for months and months and months. Eh, yeah, that's the main event. Uh, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. Um, we'll get to that.
3: <laughs> well, this show took place, uh. its anniversary, its 30-year anniversary is actually coming up in two weeks. We were dropping it on December 2nd. It was a show. I'll say that it was. I didn't completely I, hate
1: it. Didn't hate it. Yeah, it was. This is not different. something I'm gonna. At the end of this, go, go, watch it. Go, go, go. I'll, I'll say that now. I'm not gonna say that, but no, I didn't hate it.
3: No, I, definitely not. This was like I think the second or third Starcade to take place in December. for all of you that didn't know, Starcade used to be the Thanksgiving night tradition where every Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving Day. It was dark. It wasn't a Sunday pay-per-view, so it it was things were a lot different back in the day. Uh, the reason they switched the date actually was completely because of Survivor Series. So I, I don't. I, I know you knew that, but um, all of our listeners may not have known that. We we try to educate you here on the podcast.
1: That was a good Survivor Series too. One of my favorites, nineteen ninety. I love that. One. It was also the debut of the Undertaker, by the way. So, <laughs>
3: and the Gobbledygooker. How
1: did you leave that who, one out? Who just won the twenty four seven title, by the way?
3: So. I saw that. Yeah. Well, this uh, this is actually I just looked it up. is the second Starcade to take place in uh, in December. So, and it's all because of Vince McMahon. Like I said, Vince started the uh, you know going against uh, Starcade or you know uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, whatever, on pay per view. He started that, and then Jim Crockett Promotions tried to hit him back, or WCW, rather, tried to hit him back, and it was just, it was for uh, lack of a better term, it was a pissing contest for the longest time, so.
1: You know it's funny, by the way? It was only, like, last year when I finally realized when people were, like, whenever we read old stuff, and people put JCP, it took me oh, okay. forever to realize it was Jim Crockett Promotions. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. it seems obvious, but it's like, <laughs> what the hell is JCP? <laughs>
3: And we're definitely going to uh, get into some of that in the news uh, here in just a moment. But this month, we are finally out with the turkey. That turkey's been uh, fried or roasted or baked or whatever the hell you do with it. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, we are out with the turkey, and we are now in with the <laughs> big guy with a big red sack and the big white beard. Good lord. Good lord who uh, you saw your mom kissing underneath the mistletoe. So uh, try to sleep with that image in your head. And and like the Godfather, he's bringing the ho ho hoes into December.
1: No? Yes, I
2: know.
1: I'm going to just... <laughs> you do you. All right. Uh, we don't well, judge you. You know that. So.
3: Yeah. But well, anyway, uh, we're uh, we going to take our first break. And when we come back, uh, getting into all the news and notes of the time. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MainEvent underscore Marks and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash MainEvent Marks pod.
1: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle
2: is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. <laughs> The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's.
0: Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just 2 dollars Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.
2: Now, back to our program.
3: All right, news and notes time. The first news and notes section of the month of December. I'm excited. What happened in December of 1990 here... Now, Andre the Giant is not going to be making the 1991 Royal Rumble. After all, due to injury, he apparently suffered a blood clot in his leg while riding around in a Japanese taxi.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: I don't know if I should comment on that one. <laughs> this, this story, uh, this story yeah. had a picture of a toy taxi and it said actual depiction.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's probably close. He was huge. He was oh, huge. Yeah.
3: But yeah, it was it was a big hype. He was supposed to be in the 1991 Royal Rumble. They were building it up for months, and then they're like, oh. That could oh, have been the only right. time
1: we saw him in the Undertaker square off.
3: Yeah, man. That sucks. Uh, I mean, he, he would have actually been in the ring with a giant who could work for once. How about that?
1: I, but, I, I don't know what to say.
3: <laughs> well, here's another injury thing out of the WWF that's pretty um, famous and upsetting. Or should I say infamous. During a recent WWF... TV taping, jobber Charles Austin suffered what appeared to be a broken neck and a squash loss to the Rockers as he took a rocker dropper wrong and ended up in the hospital in critical condition, unable to move anything but his toes.
1: I remember seeing this on the news. Yeah. Um it was weird because it was like wrestling's on the news. <laughs> you know, Like the yeah. actual like local news.
3: You notice well, you know, uh wrestling is never on the news for anything positive ever. <laughs> No oh, hell no, they're they're never like like oh, this look Yurka at this once the Jericho one said. It's the redheaded
1: stepchild of, of everything. So,
3: oh yeah, well I mean like anytime you see it on any news program or anything like that, it's some child was doing a wrestling move to their sibling and killed them, or you know something like that. And who's to blame? Well, clearly Vince McMahon and his World Wrestling Entertainment. Even though they've got five thousand don't do this at home commercials.
1: It was even back in the day. It was always WWE. Even when WWE was kicking their ass, they were the ones getting blamed.
3: Yeah. Meanwhile, Ted Turner and everybody sitting back like, oh, uh, look, look at how bad they are. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the Charles Austin thing, I don't know if he was finally paralyzed or not. And I think the WWF did have to end up. They they
1: paid his bills and stuff like that. And they gave him a bigger payout, but he made a huge stink about it because he's only paid 500 bucks or something like that. It's like for the match.
3: Cheese. I mean, that's typical job or fare, I think. I think you get 500 well, 19, bucks. You...
1: 1990, 500 bucks, though. I mean... Oh, yeah. Know. I mean, it's not bad
3: for... we not name, talking or...
1: 2020, 500 bucks.
3: Oh, yeah. The rumor is that Jacques Rougeau is returning as a singles wrestler with some kind of Canadian-mounted police gimmick.
1: Oh, good Lord.
3: <laughs> uh, Uncle Dave's exact quote was, Man, they're getting desperate for gimmicks.
1: <laughs> you know what, though? I don't know. That one worked, I feel like. It was dumb, but at the same
3: time, I mean, it's like, I don't know if it really was that dumb. I mean, we... It was
1: stereotypical. I think they got in trouble for it,
3: didn't they? Well, we hold the big boss man in high esteem, and he
1: had the same gimmick, but American. But also, to be fair, though, he actually was that, though. I mean, well, yeah, gimmick. This one, I get it. It was like a Canadian stereotype, but I don't know. It kind of worked, I thought. I didn't... I mean, obviously, I hated it because he was a heel, but I... I don't know, looking back at it, it Spotted tag Team. If anybody it, tells it gave
3: you, us Raven. <laughs> so, oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, issue number one of WWF's Bodybuilding Lifestyles magazine launched this past week, and it was a major disappointment. No. Yeah, much like most of Vince's other ventures outside of WWE. You
1: know what's funny? No joke. I bet you Dave Meltzer kind of liked it.
3: Uh, he said it was a dumb, ill-fated idea. I just but, feel
1: like because he's a fitness guru.
3: He is, but at the same time, like, he just—I don't know if it was because it was WWF and he has a inherent bias towards them, but he's just crapped all over this and the World Bodybuilding Federation, and I don't know. He hated it. So, I mean, it's not like he was Nostradamus here, but, I mean, he did talk about how stupid it was and how it was going to fail, and by God, look who won the pony.
1: <laughs> yeah, but what—come on, dude. Really? Well, like predict, I said— not... You predict that. Ooh, man.
3: I know, like I said, it's tell not my, like he was no Tell lucky
1: numbers this week.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you notice, like, Vince McMahon literally did one thing, one thing that was a huge success, lasted for decades and decades. is going to last beyond his years, and a huge success. Everything else he tried outside of that sucked.
1: Holding sucked?
3: Like, his, his music studio? No. His nightclub? No. Bodybuilding, no. Karate Fighters, no. Like, just everything.
1: Karate but, Fighters was Hasbro, dude.
3: Well, not the, You know what I mean? They were going to do it. <laughs> for those that don't know, they were going to do like a worked karate show, like almost like work karate, like wrestling. And this and is pre
1: Tezawa, by the way.
3: Yeah. And they were going to put this on TV, like a show. I actually think it was a cool idea. But the thing is, they got like legit karate fighters to come in there and nobody wanted to be scripted to lose so the whole thing fell apart no, now and this was during the time when like uh power rangers was like huge so it might have done well i don't know something else that didn't do well on tv jesse ventura has a new syndicated tv show a courtroom show with lyle Zedo, where people present their cases to them and then battle it out with novelty boxing gloves while ventura does commentary
1: God, that has money written all over it. I, like, I've never even heard of this crap. What the hell? I didn't know about the boxing part. I knew about the judge part. That's kind of new to me. I,
3: I don't, I, I, I had heard he had some show that he was wearing. I, I had heard he had some, like, buddy cop whatever thing that they were going to do. And it like they I think they filmed the pilot, and that, that was literally it. But I don't know. I think he had a couple of ventures into TV, and it was always something involving, you know, wrestling crossed over with such and such, and nothing ever worked out. Uh, the Junkyard Dog managed to tear Harley Race's rotator cuff by falling on top of him accidentally during a body slam attempt, so Race will be out of action for a while. And I believe this was actually it for him. He was done. Uh,
1: it's in W-E-S.
3: Yeah. So, I think he did pop up one other time, or, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, don't I think know. he did one of the Slammery Legends reunions. I think.
3: That's it. That's what I was thinking of.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, because it was him versus Wildfire Tommy Rich in the... Oh, mo-
1: man, that's money.
3: It was the most boring, effing match of all time. Race was still wearing his King gear, and, you know, curmudgeon JR was trying to... He's like, well, I guess he's a Sacramento Kings fan. Huh?
1: What the hell? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. I was like, uh, sure. But well, then
1: he yeah. can go to hell then.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the guy from Kansas City, Missouri. He's a, he's a big Sacramento Kings fan, let me tell you. But after the long and difficult battle to win the rights to the NWA name, all references to it are being phased out. NWA main event is now officially changed to WCW main event, for example.
1: Yeah, I was going to use that in one of my notes, too. This is the last ever NWA pay-per-view.
3: Yeah, I, I think I, I
1: want to say until the one we just reviewed, Victory Road. <laughs> yeah, at least they, on a traditional three-hour pay-per-view. <laughs>
3: oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for a nation, a big nationwide company. Yeah, the, I mean, it would be used for a while by Eastern Championship Wrestling. Uh, but you know that was real short-lived, and they weren't on pay-per-view. So, I mean, people can, if anybody remembers the infamous Shane Douglas thing where he says all the former champions can kiss his ass and he throws the, glo- uh, the uh, domed globe onto the ground. So, yeah, uh, NWA was going the way of the dinosaurs here. And, uh, yeah. WCW, and people,
1: uh, all the uh, old guys will still blame Vince, by the way.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't know if you ever heard that famous uh, or infamous interview with Ole Anderson on an RF video where he was, like, going off about Ric Flair. Yep, just being super. And he was like, "Well, he's NWA champ." And he was like, "Champ of what?" He's like, "What territories were there? That title was meaningless. There was no NWA." It's like, "Oh, good lord." Okay, he held the damn big, uh, big gold belt. That's what he held. Okay, sometimes you
1: hold it, dude.
3: Goddamn, Willie Anderson just like made a living off of being a surly old fart.
1: <sighs> always, he was always the uh, literally the fourth horseman too. By the way, in my opinion. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he's the one that didn't go into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> For God's sake! But that was a good I mean, segue. Hey, Barry
1: Wyndham's better than him anyway, so I mean, no one's ever oh, going to argue that. So no we're... effing doubt. Yeah.
3: Well, I well uh, I don't know if the you know you talk to someone like Jim Cornette who you know just defends him to the death, but you know he defends a lot of terrible things. So I'd
1: say Barry Wyndham's better than a lot of people too, though. To be fair.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's on this card, by the way. But that was a good uh, transition with the Ole Anderson thing here because uh, some other surly old fart, Jim Hurd, gave an interview where he said that he actually liked Ole Anderson and, quote, hoped to bring him into the 21st century. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: does the Hut need a delivery boy or what?
3: Yeah, well, uh, you know, if, if if one person is going to bring you up to speed in today's wrestling, it's Jim effing Hurd.
1: <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs>
3: By God. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> Holy crap, I mean, you said that.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, am I wrong?
1: No, just I wasn't ready for that. I'm glad I wasn't drinking any water.
3: <laughs> I, well, it's just like when I read that quote, I'm like, of all effing people, Jim Hurd is going to say like, God dang. That is the endorsement. When, when Jim Hurd is telling you you're out of touch, you <laughs> might want to reevaluate things. But uh, Oli, meanwhile, has gotten into managing a mill in Wisconsin and is much happier doing that than anything in wrestling.
1: I am not even remotely shocked at that.
3: Yeah. Jim Ross used to talk about like he basically just collected a paycheck and did bupkis for WCW because he said uh, Jim Ross said it was up to him and Tony Schiavone to write half the damn shows and finish him up because Oli would come in and be like, you got the show ready yet? I'm going home. Whether you got it ready or not, I'm out of here. And he would just leave. And he's like, Okay. And then he'd show up for you know the day for TV. He's like, got it ready, right? So
1: I, I can't believe the Discord there.
3: I know. Uh speculation is still running rampant, by the way, in the wake of Ole Anderson getting fired as Booker. This comes after Starcade.
1: It literally uh, I from my knowledge it comes like right as it goes off the air.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. They're like, All right, good show, everybody. Ole, you're fired. <laughs> Uh, Dusty Rhodes is certainly the top candidate, and that theory is bolstered by the house show results from the past week in the WWF, which saw Dusty Rhodes doing 90-second jobs to Virgil at every show. You think that was a rib, by the way? Clearly. Virgil jobbing out to Virgil. <laughs> Just, uh, however,
1: his last match would be Virgil's face turn, ironically yeah. enough.
3: Uh, well, however, the top guys in WCW insist that no one has spoken to Dusty about the job. Their list supposedly included Terry Funk, Eddie Gilbert, Ken Mantell, and Jerry Jarrett, huh? with no, Bill Watts. You know, uh, with Bill Watts already having turned down the job. Hmm.
1: You know was, what, he would get it eventually, though, right?
3: Uh, I I thought he was the Booker before. No, he was the Booker before this. Like I think. I don't yeah, think. I, so.
1: I feel like he did 1992. Mm, I That's don't, when they had
3: the oh, whole. Okay, I think he came back. Yeah, because I know he was Booker there for a while. What was the whole 1990? I don't. I don't know. He well. He he was. I think he was booking for a little while or helping to book there for a little while, and then he because I know he was there with Jim Cornette at one point, and then he left, and yeah, get, he he must have came back because I remember. uh I specifically remember Eric Bischoff saying he had to clean up a lot of Bill Watts' messes when he finally took over. So, that I, I remember that.
1: How big is your broom?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, he said specifically he had to clean stuff up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Because they were so pissed off at the way Bill Watts treated them that they were not willing to do anything with WCW. So uh,
1: Well, they haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, man. Vince yeah. going to
1: come in and piss on their title. <laughs>
3: Well, if Vince uh, Rizzo's going to come in and piss off the Japanese, he's going to piss off the Mexicans, he's going to piss off everybody.
1: Uh, do you remember when he had Hoobin to take the title from Jushin Liger on Nitro?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that pissed off the Japanese and then he pissed off the Mexicans by having uh, piñatas on a pole and all the Mexicans had to drink tequila. And, yeah. <sighs> Alright, anyway. <laughs> getting into something less depressing. Let's hit our break. We'll come back uh, talking about the show at hand. It's WCW Starrcade, 1990. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook
0: at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
2: Now, back to our program.
3: All right, jingle bells. We're back here.
1: Batman WC- Smells.
3: For WCW Starcade 1990 Collision Course. It took place December 16th, 1990, at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri, a very famous arena. The attendance was 7,200, uh, with uh, 60- 6,357 paid. Sorry, pay- you
1: just called it an auditorium and said it was a nice arena, a famous arena. It can't be both
3: okay whatever it was a famous auditorium whatever the hell it was a famous venue how about that
1: <laughs> All right, <it's> better.
3: <laughs> it was used a lot back in the old NWA territory days I think didn't WWF go there a couple times I can't
1: remember I'm almost certain I, I remember hearing the, the name when I was a kid so yeah
3: isn't that where because there was one WWF event they were in St. Louis and they brought out a couple of uh, St. Louis legends to honor them with like a plaque and whatever I think it was here I want to say but i could be wrong but anyway uh they uh paid a total gate of 93,425 which in today's money is over 186,000 so inflation people, uh, but the people still uh i don't i don't believe so i could be wrong i don't know how many how many people that arena or auditorium whatever that venue holds i don't know how many people the pay-per-view buy rate was a 1.3 for, uh, which equated to 175,000 buys. So not I, bad.
1: I remember us watching this on pay-per-view too. So, oh, you ordered it? I don't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. Someone in my house did.
3: It. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, because I remember you saying something about you had a friend that, uh, or your dad had a friend, or something that ordered all the WCW shows.
1: Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yes.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Because well, we had just watched uh, Halloween Havoc over there. I remember that. So.
3: Ah, cool. Yeah, this was back in the day for people that don't know, people that don't remember. They didn't have a pay per view every month. They were lucky if they had one every other month. And we're actually gonna talk about These that.
1: These are the closest two, I believe, in all of wrestling at this point. November and then December, I believe.
3: Well yeah, they had what well, yeah, yeah. they had they had Halloween Havoc in October, uh this in December, and then we're gonna talk about their next pay per view they're advertising here is in February. So it was like you had Yeah,
1: WWE ran They went from WrestleMania to SummerSlam. It was, what, a six-month gap?
3: Yeah. Six, and five? Then, yeah, it was, it was about a six-month gap, and then they would have, uh, what, a three-month gap until Survivor Series, and then, uh, and then they added Royal Rumble, so that was, um, you know, a two-month gap. So, I mean, WWE eventually caught up with things, and I, I can't even remember the first time they added King of the Ring as an actual pay-per-view.
1: 1993.
3: Okay, so yeah, we were still a ways off. By now, they did have the big four, uh, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble all in effect. And and for those that don't remember, the first Royal Rumble in 88 took place on TV, so it wasn't even a pay-per-view back then. Since they're in St. Louis, they introduce the former NWA promoter Sam Muchnick to the crowd, which flips out for him. They still know uh, who Sam is. By the way, Sam appeared, like I mentioned, uh, in, I want to say, 96, 97 for the WWE. He didn't look much older than he did here in 1990. (laughs) He just came out of the womb looking 50 years old. And then he jumped straight to 70, and there you go. But Sam Muchnick talks to the crowd a little bit, thanking the uh, bunch of people there. You can barely hear what the hell he's saying, by the way, because the mic volume is so low. Was that was that just my audio or was that Um,
1: kind of? Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, because I was I was like, I thought he was muted there for a little while. I'm like, what the what is he even saying? But they eventually turned his stuff up halfway through what he was saying. Uh, But Sam looks like he's uh, getting emotional towards the end there. After all this, we get the Marines holding up uh, the American flag as the United States National Anthem plays. That's how they started a lot of NWA shows back in the day. The first match of the night threw me for a loop because I was like, oh, that's a hell of a matchup. We got beautiful Bobby Eaton taking <laughs> on the Z-Man.
1: The Z-Man. The f and Z-Man.
3: <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't just, and they didn't even call him Tom Zink. It was just the Z-Man.
1: I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I was a huge mark of his when I was a kid. I don't know why. I think I just liked the white meat baby faces.
3: I'll say this. He had the look, bro. He had the uh, I mean he, he he had some some charisma to him, awkward charisma, you know, whatever, but still some charisma. He got a
1: little more of it when he teamed with Brian Pillman, I feel like. Yeah.
3: And he looked like he was something, and he was not a terrible wrestler, but at the end of the day, he just didn't have it. I never I mean, looking back at his matches, I never said I was like, my god, that was well worth my time. But this match was 8 minutes, 45 seconds. How
1: many matches have you ever watched in your life that you actually said that after?
3: <laughs> I mean, if it's a... If it's a
1: uh, Look, for, I can be talking about Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, or at 25. I don't think I ever watched that match and said, that was worth my time. I just liked it or not.
3: Well, I mean, at the end of the match, I'm not sitting there going, God dang, how much time did I waste watching this crap? Like, at that, I was like, Some wow, that was really good. Yeah. It just... Some sometimes and there have been matches you and I have reviewed this like, look, it was five minutes in runtime, but I felt like it was fifty minutes in runtime. It dragged the hell on. This did not drag on, but I did say Z-Man looks like a complete idiot at one point trying to pin Bobby Eaton outside of the ring. And that's never been a thing. So I was like, what is he doing?
1: At least not then.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well Z-Man misses some kind of top rope move, falls flat on his ass. Eaton rolls him up with a small package and gets the win. This apparently ended the Z-Man's 35 match winning streak. So, look, nothing against Bobby Eaton, but he had just broken off from Stan Lane to do his own thing. Stan went back to Memphis with Steve Kern to be the Fabulous Ones. And
1: Stan's about to go back go to WWE and be an announcer, so
3: Yeah. And uh I don't know, of all people to end a 35 match win streak against uh, the Z-Man is just like Bobby Eaton.
1: Well, he's getting ready to be a TV champ too, so Clearly, there was plans in place there.
3: Yeah, I think he needed a mouthpiece, like he needed a Jim Cornette type. And I think he, I mean, the fans. Oh were yeah, into you him. can
1: only stay stand like silently with your hands on your hips for so long. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah, but
1: I check mean, yeah, worked for Braden Walker, but that was a one time, one trick pony.
3: My God, check this out, though, man. Uncle Dave gave this three stars. I gave it one and a half. I thought it was meh. What's the you? I
1: gave it two. Uh, I I I was in. Was not not out of it. I was kind of into it. I don't know. I was
3: a I little thought... harsh with some of these matches, but I I think I was a little generous with others. But this one just didn't click for me. I don't know. And I didn't hate it. But up next, uh, we got Tony Schiavone calling out Dick the Bruiser, who I did not expect to see on the show. Keep in mind, I didn't look ahead to see who all was on the card, so I was like, oh, okay. But Shivani asked him what he's going to do tonight as the special enforcer for the main event cage match. The bruiser has a voice like gravel in a cement mixer.
1: <laughs> dude, seriously, stop smoking. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, well, the thing is, he's always talked that way. So I'm just like, what the frick, dude? But he says he's he's uh, the champion of all cage matches throughout history. So he knows what's going to go on. And he also says that he's heard there is more than one black scorpion. And he's going to make sure that Sting gets a fair shake. So, cool. Uh,
1: there were actually four, so he wasn't wrong.
3: Yeah. Well, the rumor is he was actually supposed to be the the uh, special referee for another match, um, who, which is escaping me. But at like the day of the show, they're like, you know what, you're going to be in the main event. And he's like, all right, whatever. All
1: Go right. I'll wait. take the upgrade. Whatever. Yeah. Do I get a, a do I get a bump and pay? No. Oh. Yeah, that's a,
3: can you put an extra zero on the end of that check? Yeah, <laughs> thanks. But, all right, uh, we get a parade of beautiful women after this, walking with various national flags to the ring and then right to the back. Uh, they look like they're just modeling. I, I, I wonder where they picked up all these models. Greg, you, would you happen to have an idea? Uh, models RS. Ah, yeah, there you go. Hey, I'm glad you picked up on that one. <laughs> all right. Uh, this first match, uh, these this is the night, by the way, they are having the, got to take a deep breath here before I start this one. The Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup Tag Team Tournament. That's <sighs>
1: StarCade. <Last right>.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, representing South Africa, we got the team of Colonel De DeClerc and Sergeant Kruger. They're taking on the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, representing the US of A. This match went for two minutes, 12 seconds. That's a theme with tonight. There are 14 matches in total on the card, by the way.
1: I noticed that too watching all these. I'm like, why are these matches so damn short?" And then I looked at it and like the, the run time's almost three hours.
3: Yeah, they have a, um, they have 14 matches spread across three hours and a whole bunch of gaga like the the thing with the models took like three times as long as the actual match here.
1: Do you, I, do you know who these guys were, by the way? just curious.
3: I know Sergeant Kruger went on to do something. I, I don't know. Uh,
1: Kruger was uh, originally, it was, a, was a Doink the Clown. Uh,
3: oh, uh, Ray Apollo. That's yeah. right.
1: And then rock, Rock-a-Rock was the other one.
3: Uh, ah, yes, yes, DeClerk. Uh, Colonel Klerk was uh, rock rock I don't know what
1: the hell that means, Klerk, but.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But apparently they were supposed to represent South Africa because they look like what would become the Truth Commission, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yes, Cruder uh, with Ray Apollo, uh, he he was the one that took over for the original Doink the Clown, uh, as far as I know. So, I think he did a lot, a lot of work in 95. But either way, uh, this match, one of the guys, it was Clerk who was Rocko Rock. He front-flipped over the top rope onto Rick Steiner, but he basically misses and almost lands straight on his head, and Rick laughs at him. <laughs> he almost died, Yeah, piece of crap. <laughs> and wow. Scott and I don't know what to say Scott to that. He did! I mean, that's like, he's like, ha ha, landed on his head, almost died, screw you, you piece of crap, and then he rolls back in the ring. That's like, (sighs) damn, dude. (laughs) Cold-blooded. But, uh, Scott pins uh, Kruger with a Frankensteiner. What
1: nation were they representing again?
3: South Africa.
1: Wasn't this the whole, like, free South Africa point in in history?
3: (laughs) Uh, I think so, yeah. And they, well, that's why they had the commissions and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I just, like...
1: (sighs) I just okay. I, I didn't piece that together hey, until now, but this was the whole free South Africa movement. I remember this. Yeah.
3: Hey, there were a few nations represented here that it was like Burr. uh but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to them. But Uncle Dave gave this one and a fourth star. I gave it one star because it sucked. Let's say you one. Yeah. I
1: felt like you didn't even need to ask me that one.
3: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I just I I did because that's what I do. Up next, we got uh, the United Kingdom team of Gentleman Chris Adams and Norman Smiley. Yes! Taking on on the uh, Mexican team of Conan and Rey Mysterio.
1: Can we also point out that at least all these guys actually represent these nations?
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Conan represented Mexico because he worked there, but for people that don't know, I think he's Cuban? Cuban? He's Cuban. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Uh, This was Rey Mysterio Sr., by the way, Ray Jr.'s uncle, so... He wore the weirdest effing outfit, by the way. I was like, what the hell? I didn't say
1: what the hell, only because I knew that was normal for him.
3: (laughs) Well, it wasn't the the mask I was used to, so I was just kind of like, what the... All right. Uncle Dave said that this this was a complete Styles Clash, and Adams was working with broken ribs on top of that. Conan gets the pinfall win by hooking the legs, kind of laying back on Smiley. It's kind of hard to describe... Mysterio then randomly dives out over the top rope onto Chris Adams after the match and hurts himself by hitting the stairs. I was like, what's the point of that? Match is over, dude. Because it's funny.
1: It's good. It's good crap, pal.
3: Yeah. Well, this is one where Uncle Dave and I differed uh, again. He kind of the reverse of before. He gave it one and a half stars. I gave it two and a half stars because for a five and a half minute match, I thought it was average. What say you?
1: I gave it, too. I had a lot of, I had a little fun watching this. Not a lot, but a little. Did you notice, by the way, on the Chiron, they, they, they misspelled Mysterio? They put a C instead of an O at the end? Really? Yes. <laughs> no. I
3: didn't. They, did that. they had a couple spelling errors here. I'll get to one coming up in uh, the next match here in a second. But, yeah, I was just like, what the... Who the hell is... Like, nobody's spell-checking these things. Nobody's going over their work, for God's sake.
1: I guess they didn't have Microsoft Word back then. Yeah. I don't know what
3: it was with WCW production, but they could never get their crap together. I remember there was one show that uh, you and I were reviewing where they just put up a blank
1: Chiron all night. That was the uh, Clash of the Champions that was dedicated to the troops.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just kept putting up a blank F and Chiron, and I was just like... I uh, listened to Tony Schiavone watch it back, do like a, a watch-along, and halfway through the show, he's like... Either quit putting up the damn Chiron or fix a damn thing.
1: <laughs> How many times have you said that on his mic that we didn't hear?
3: Oh, I know. But we now go to Missy Hyatt before all of her plastic. Well, she had some plastic surgery, but not all of it at this point. She was standing not by. Not touching that. Uh, she was standing with her back to the crowd, interviewing Alexandra York and Michael Wall Street. Alexandra York, for those that don't know, was uh, Terry Runnels. And Michael Wall Street was Mike Rotunda, the soon-to-be IRS, or no? He was he was already IRS. That's right. He came back to WCW. Correct? Nope. It's nope. To be IRS. Oh. Okay, so I'm getting timelines wrong.
1: Either yeah, way, a timeline thing.
3: Wow. But uh, Missy Hyatt asks Yorks, uh, or says that Yorks computer predicts that Wall Street will beat Terry Taylor tonight in less than eight minutes and thirty-two seconds. York I, says, "I
1: need to take back what I was saying about Microsoft Word and the misspelling. Never mind." <laughs> Yeah, have a computer.
3: Yeah, right. And uh, York says that it's not a prediction; it's a fact. It's a Wall spoiler. Street. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Wall Street then delivers some lame line about when I'm done with you, you're gonna be yesterday's news, pal.
1: No, like... when he's done with him, he's gonna be Terrence Taylor, pal. <laughs> <laughs>
3: True story. Yeah, the, it's the Taylor coming. made man.
1: Terrence Taylor is coming to the York Foundation. Not to jump ahead. Spoiler.
3: <laughs> yeah. We
1: just got a to Taylor Made Man thing. is a completely different thing, by the way. So yeah, he's oh, had quite man. a few pieces of crap.
3: <laughs> Good grief! Yeah.
1: the, well, the he... Red Rooster, Terence Taylor, and the Taylor Made Man.
3: How, how did made... he not
1: get more world titles or a world title?
3: I know how. How can you not just you know? Gosh, he just fell into the box of gimmicks and pulled them all out.
1: <laughs> he fell into like a tape wrapped around him and they all got stuck on him. <laughs> Those that
3: don't know, by the way, this was uh, or the the York Foundation was like Alexander York had this computer. This was back, you know, when home computers were still relatively new. Not everybody had, hardly anybody had them. And the, they they claimed to have a, uh, a a program on the computer that would tell them exactly how to win and how you know what to look out for and what time the match would be and length and all this other crap. And she would be at the at ringside on this little laptop thing, like typing away and it's like giving hints. Well, the computer says to do this move.
1: <sighs> and then they would take the uh, the guys that turn and when they turn heel, they would give them like proper names. So like Terence Taylor, Richard Morton, Thomas Rich.
3: And it wasn't just Mike Rotunda anymore; it was Michael Wall Street.
1: Yes. So. I don't know why it was Wall Street because he had never left, so they just changed it from Rotunda. So,
3: yeah, uh, well, it was like JBL suddenly going from a beer swilling Texas hick to now I'm on Wall Street. Damn it.
1: But that's I really mean, him, though. Yeah, I
3: know that one was more believable. <laughs> this one was just like, ah, you're Michael Wall Street now or whatever. <sighs> yeah. So Maybe this is BK
1: be- Wall Street, which is clearly a shot. Anyways, we're digressing. Right. Uh,
3: <laughs> this this was this was back before people knew what the hell computers could do and could not do. So you could play on this stuff and people were just oblivious. Most people, anyway. This next match was uh, representing uh, New Zealand. It was the team of the Royal Family, Jack Victory and Rip Morgan taking on the (sighs) team from Japan, Mr. Saito, and the Great Muta.
1: Okay, first of all, two things. Number one, this is like the first Jack Victory thing we've had since, like, we rebooted. (laughs) Do you realize that? (laughs) Uh, Because remember when we rebooted, he was on every damn show we reviewed. No, this, yeah, this was,
3: yeah, this, yeah, because he was in all the, if, if anybody goes back and listens to, like, the 1989 shows we did and the ECW shows we did, he's, he's in all of them. So yeah. much damn Jack Victory. I don't think Jack Victory and Rip Morgan are from New Zealand, by the way. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not.
1: Yeah, and, and I just think it's funny, like, when I think of Opponent for Great Mood, I think of Jack effing Victory.
3: Well, and Rip Morgan, for God's <laughs> sake. I mean, damn. right. <laughs> This was
1: just
3: uh, oh, man. Man, I'll say that, and I haven't seen much of Mister Saito, but what I did see, I liked. I, I thought it was you know he was good. Former uh, former partner of Mister Fuji in the WWE, by the way, I, I and believe. And
1: so. a pretty big acting resume, I believe.
3: Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that. Quite a
2: few years. Well, he's,
3: he's uh, I think he's a good friend with Eric Bischoff. He's the one that uh, Bischoff would go back and forth with. He was kind of like uh, his one of his main contacts in New Japan for the longest time. And I think he said he still keeps up with Mr. Saito's widow uh, over, in, over in Japan. But this match went for 5 minutes and 41 seconds. By the way, if, you, if nobody's seen Mr. Saito before, uh, just imagine he's like, I don't know, average height. And he's about as wide as he is tall. It's just a, built like a brick you-know-what house. But I said, here, here's the other typo. Someone messed up on the, uh, on the uh, stats saying that Jack Victory's name was Jacko Victory.
1: Good lord, there's the O from Mysterio that we're missing Alright, yeah, right Alright, oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Where's the O? You put it on the end of Jack Victory He's Jacko now, god dang it Jacko Where he come from? I don't know
1: Jacko <laughs> yeah,
3: I saw that, I was like, for god's sake At least, and they did this before Every single match all night Well let's look at the Starcade stats Like, let's not Mr. Saito I'm Trying called. to make it special Yeah Mr. Saito pulled no punches as he beat the absolute tar out of both men. Rip Morgan kind of sucked. Saito ducks it close. Yeah, he sucked. This was a pet peeve of mine. I saw a couple people do it throughout the night, but Rip Morgan did it, and I was just like, what the frick, dude? He got whipped across the ropes, and instead of, like, you know, natural momentum taking shoulder, you know, you turn shoulder against the ropes and you bounce back, he did, like, a full spin to hit the ropes. I'm like, That that looks so stupid and unnatural. It was a little thing, but it just, like, it makes you look like a rookie. Well, he
1: was.
3: But anyway, Saito ducks a clothesline attempt from Morgan, who hit victory, back into a Jimmy, Jimmy, a bridging German suplex from Muta for the win. Uncle Dave only gave this one and three, four star. I don't know what the hell shaved off a fourth star, but I gave it two stars. What say you?
1: Uh, I didn't like it. I gotta be honest. I thought it was a one.
3: I thought it was okay, but it was mostly uh, a match to display what the Japanese guys could do. Like, that was basically it. And it's kind so of Jack just... Vic-
1: just kill the guys?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's basically... I mean, uh, Great Mudo was great. Uh, Saito beat the crap it. out of everybody. Jack Victory's role throughout, um, I want to say, his entire career was, make like, let us see what the other guy can do against you.
1: <laughs> make him look really strong.
3: Yeah. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention at the top of the show that Pauly Dangerously is on the call with uh, uh, Jim Ross for this show. It's kind of an odd pairing, and Tony Shimani is doing interviews. So, whatever. But anyway, Pauly Dangerously asks the Japanese team if they're worried about any of the other teams in the tournament, but Saito says that they are the best. And Dangerously brings up the Steiner brothers, but Saito says that the Steiners are soft, and his team is number one. So, stereotypical <laughs>
1: Japanese no, oh, no, sir. Uh,
3: the next match was the Canadian team represented by Danny Johnson and Troy Montour. Yeah. Keep in mind, Danny Johnson looked like uh, a big fat Native American, and Troy Montour looked like an out of shape cowboy. Canada.
1: Who was that? Um, <laughs> that that Native American guy on like one of the cards we did? And like, who the hell is he?
3: Oh, I don't even remember. I yeah, had, cards
1: ago, I, I thought that was him.
3: Yeah, he had, like, the whitest name of all time. Yeah. You see this guy come out in headdress see, I, a headdress doing a war dance. I don't remember his
1: name, because I didn't even heard of him until we did that show.
3: Yeah, same here. <laughs> and I don't know who the hell these guys were, but I'm like, these guys are the Canadian team? The guy that and looks like look, he's,
1: he's you look still... What, you look at what Canada's produced <laughs> since then. It's like, wow, they started low. They only went up from there. <laughs>
3: Danny Johnson looks like... Oh, Looks like, uh, like, oh, I'm trying to think, like, Tatanka just let himself go. And Troy Montour looks like he raided Black Bart's closet. <laughs> but they're taking on the Soviet Union team, so you know where we are in history. What it's, part of uh,
1: Canada were they from, by the way? Just I'm just curious.
3: <laughs> the, uh, the southern part, I don't know. Uh, but they're taking on the Soviet Union team of Salman Hashimikov. And Victor Zangief. Yeah, Zangief.
1: Fun, fun fact, that was a play on Zangief from Street Fighter.
3: Yeah. yeah man, this was uh, quite the team, man. <laughs> it went uh, Quite the match. Yeah, it went for just shy of four minutes. I said, both teams look like a group of middle-aged dads getting ready for a barbecue slash pool party.
1: <laughs> Holy crap. Am I wrong? I mean, Move on.
3: <laughs> the Soviet team came out. The one dude's balding with a big old porno stash. Neither one of them are, like, particularly in shape. The other one's just kind of, like, this looks like a dad in a, like, that put on a singlet.
2: Like, what, is, I, what the F is this?
3: And I already said what the Canadian team looked like. <laughs> yeah. I said, one of the Soviets is hairier than, uh, hairier than a bear, and Troy Montour looks like a fake pizza guy in the bad 80s pornos. Wow.
1: Real quick, I just want to point out because I just like I wanted to find out who these guys were. They don't even have wiki pages, so they literally didn't matter.
3: Go figure. <laughs> when you don't even have a, wiki, a Wikipedia page. You know you're like meaningless,
1: especially in wrestling with all the freaking uh, you know fanboys in their basements making these pages. I'm like, they can't even do it. You're nobody.
3: Oh yeah. Uh, Uncle Dave said everyone in this look in this match looks really bad, and this was two minutes longer than necessary. Uh, the Soviets win with a belly-to-belly into a pin on Montour. He gave it negative one and one-fourth star. I don't know what bumped it down to one and one-fourth, but, you know, whatever. I gave it one and a half. I don't know. It was I liked the mat wrestling of the Soviet team. I'll say that. That's the only thing I enjoyed about this entire effing debacle. Let's say you.
1: I hated it all. All of it. Yeah. One None star. of the...
3: I wonder if these are the guys that, you know, guys like this are the ones that uh, Jim Cornette's talking about. I was like, God dang, you got to look like grown men on that ring. Got to come out of a grown man box. What the hell? I don't know. Uh, we get Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting backstage. The audio is absolutely horrible. but I was able I'm to starting to out...
1: see a pattern here.
3: Yeah. The audio,
1: the, the misspellings. Yeah.
3: Something tells me that the production team here sucked ass. But uh, I don't know where I get that. It's just, you know, call me Nostradamus here. But I was able to figure out
1: mentioning in this podcast, by the way, folks.
3: Yeah, I figured out that Sting was confused by the Black Scorpion, but he said that he was going to figure out who he is here tonight. Yeah, you will. Let's OK,
1: um, not to get ahead, but I guess we can talk about it. But like, I'm just going to say it. Even as a freaking six year old kid, I knew who it was. Is that bad?
3: You knew who it was during the match or yes, during the build-up?
1: the whole thing.
3: Oh, you
1: through like,
3: all the build-up you knew who it was? Yeah, I'm like, we know who it is, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I mean, you were the, then you were ahead of even the booking team, because according to the booking team, they didn't even know who it was going to be until, like, the week of, of Starcade.
1: I just was like, that's Ric Flair, right? He keeps attacking Sting, you know, Sting and Flair. Come on. Well, they
3: said the guy who was originally going to be him, Ric Flair actually, you know, like, the week of the show... It was like uh, some young guy. I can't even remember now. But Flair was like, "Hey, uh, if we do this to this kid, it's gonna kill his career." Let's, uh, yeah, Barry Windham. Wow, no, it was
1: supposed to be Barry Windham.
3: That might have been one of the choices. There was another one I can't remember. The the whole thing was
1: was, like Windham just did the fake sting thing at Halloween Havoc. Like really, two two pay per views in a row. He's gonna be a that kind of thing.
3: Yeah. I can't remember who it was now off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, it was supposed to be, they were going to put somebody else under the black scorpion hood. Um, and Ric Flair was like, yeah, just, he's like, let me do it. He's like, I'm basically bulletproof here. He's like, you're not, nothing's ever going to end.
1: And he knew by this time next year, he'd be in the, the bigger company. (laughs) So he didn't give a damn.
3: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot about the, uh, I forgot about all that stuff but yeah this has been going on since August of 1990 by the way they were just trying to make something mysterious uh it's uh, Ole and Anderson the, the payoff voice.
1: wasn't Helping
3: Havoc why uh because they felt they could build it up to this I guess I don't know but it was uh the the, the voice was done by Ole Anderson which is why you know when I did the, the voice last week on the podcast you were like now nah, you sound like the shock master it's like yes yeah. It was the same guy. Uh, but That's the yeah. same guy? Yeah.
1: Someone will yeah. get that.
3: Yeah. Wow. Uh, but the main suspect for most people was actually Jim Hellwig, a.k.a. the Ultimate Warrior. But there oh, was no... How is that
1: even remotely possible? I know. He's literally holding a title in the other company.
3: Yeah. Uh, other people suggest, as thought it was, for anybody who knew who the hell this guy was, was former Power Team USA, partner of Sting, Dave Shelton, a.k.a. the Angel of Death. Oh, uh it was it Al like Perez. a horrible,
1: uh biker name.
3: <laughs> right. Uh it was gonna be Al Perez, by the way. It said the wrestler playing him uh this time was Al Perez, who according to Rick Flair was supposed to remain the black scorpion until the unmasking. This is before he quit. So I guess Flair didn't step up until after he quit.
1: <laughs> but vision yeah. is history, folks.
3: Yeah, right. So Perez uh
1: and Hulk Hogan gets crap for that, but Flair's fine. Okay.
3: Yeah, you no, know. uh, Flair you could excuse for you know a little bit of the drinky drink, but that's neither here nor there. That's fair. <laughs> we now see a clip from uh, TV that led to the next match. Terry Taylor says that he's going to figure out the kink in Alexandra York's system, and she slaps him. He and uh, Michael Wall Street have to be held apart from a fight because you know, yeah, we, we don't want to see that breakdown. Now that could be chaos. That's the, the tax rooster man and the red
1: rooster, dude. Come on, dude. That's, that's right. Man. Yeah. That's a dreamy, but Dana White which you can put on.
3: <laughs> we said no more freak shows. <laughs> All right, the next match was Kerry Taylor taking on Michael Wall Street with Alexander York in his corner. This went for six minutes, 52 seconds. So the computer was wrong.
1: It only uh, a little bit. Analytics can always be correct.
3: Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, uh, Wall Street wears a suit to the ring. Taylor jumps because in. Because why not? Well,
2: hell yeah.
3: Uh, Taylor jumps in before he can even take the suit off. A timer is in the corner of the screen, by the way, counting down from 8 minutes and 32 seconds, because that's what the computer said the match was going to go for. Jim Ross says that York should have plastic surgery to have her nose lowered because her head is always up in the air. And Lee says, I bet Missy Hyatt can recommend a good plastic surgeon. Wow, Ross, good lord. Ross says, I knew you were going to use that line. And Lee says, well, yeah, I have it written down right here. <laughs>
1: I like how even back you have then... To, you have to admit, that's great that he just flat out mid it. I got it written now, I knew. I know, I, I like how
3: even back then Paul Heyman was just like, F it! Do it live! <laughs> yeah. Goddamn, I'll write it myself, we'll do it live! <laughs> the Wall Street hits the stun gun on Taylor and then pins him with the stock market crash, which was like a spinning Samoans, uh, Samoan drop. Uh, I feel like this could have been better if it went a tad longer. I don't know about you.
1: I don't want to get into my rating just yet, but go ahead, go ahead. Well, Uncle Dave gave
3: it two and a fourth star. I gave it two and a half stars because I thought it was at least average. What say you?
1: I gave it two. I thought it was way, way better than I thought it was going to be. I really thought it was going to just be the drizzling craps, and I, am, I really liked it. I'm one of the only
3: people I know. Like, I think you're on the same boat as me. Where you know, I, I think Terry Taylor, I was better than a lot of people give him credit for. I thought he was I've really good. Said
1: this, I thought he was damn good, and they wasted him. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if it, he wasn't, like, you know, nephew number one before Brian Alvarez. <laughs> right. I mean, in, in their defense,
3: he was, from everything I heard, he was kind of a pompous ass, and he didn't know when to shut his mouth, so he kind of dug himself into a lot of holes. I mean, he himself said there was one time where he was sitting on a plane next to Dusty Rhodes, and Dusty had his headphones on, and for some reason, Taylor kept, like, busting out into Dusty Rhodes' impressions, and every time Dusty would take his headphones off, he's like... Huh? you say something. He's like, "Oh, nothing," and then he would go <laughs> right back to it. And then, like a year later, they were they were hanging out together. And Dusty's like, uh, "He's like, I could hear everything you said. I didn't have nothing playing in my headphones." And he was like, "Oh, crap." <laughs> so yeah, it's crap like that. And and like you said, t- Taylor felt like, "Oh, if I go run to Dave and give him all the 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 inside scoops, he'll talk good about me in his little newsletter." <laughs> and uh, everybody effing knew it. And the thing was, Ric Flair did it, sure. But Ric Flair could get away with it because he was Rick effing Flair. Terry Taylor.
1: Literally untouchable.
3: Yeah. What were they going to do to Rick? Nothing. I mean, Jim Hurd tried, but as we'll see. But we get a commercial for WrestleWar 91, which will feature war games, but doesn't take place until February. So still a couple months off.
1: I thought that promo was hilariously bad.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty stupid. (laughs) But I will say, this is one of the first cases I've found of, like... Because back then, it was always a build-up to a match, you know? Like, like this guy versus that guy. We're building up, the main event is this. But back then, like, I think this is one of the first cases of you're building up to... We're having war games! Tune in for war games! We're not going to say exactly who's in it, but war games, right?
1: 91 that would end up being Sting Squadron, right?
3: I think so. I think we basically knew who was gonna be in it, but uh but this next match, man Team
1: Sting and Team Black Scorpion, yeah.
3: Hell yeah. This next match, holy god, man. Uh it was the big cat and the motor city <laughs> madman taking on they're taking on the skyscrapers, Dan Spivey, or excuse me, Danny Spivey and Sid Vicious. One minute and one second long. The big cat is the future Mr. Hughes. Uh, the Motor City Madman had other gimmicks, but nothing that anybody gives a crap about. It's funny how Sid had always had a huge following, by the way, no matter what the hell he did. Like he the it, cra- yeah, the crowd was going absolutely effing nuts for him here. They didn't give a crap about Spivey. They loved Sid. And I'm like, what the, wh- why? I mean, don't get me wrong, you and I have pointed out we're Sid fans, but like, here? Whatever. The Skyscrapers beat that ever-loving crap out of their opponents. They hit an assisted power bomb on the Motor City Madman for a quick pin. Uncle Dave gave us one star. I give it a did. Let's say you.
1: Uh, I don't like giving zero stars, but I'm almost tempted to just do it, but I'll give it one.
3: This sucked. Even for a squash match, this sucked. But Pauly Dangerously tries to interview the Skyscrapers who lift him up, and they shout at him about how dominant they are. Then Sid says that the Skyscrapers rule the world. Yeah. Kind of funny
1: goes. how, like, he would carry that on for the rest of his career.
3: <laughs> I know. I just to tell a big He-Man fan. Right. <laughs> I could be wrong, but.
1: Just, I don't, uh. like, like, I said, like, I don't get it, though. I mean, no, I mean, I like it, don't get me wrong, but, like, because even, even I was part of it, but what the hell was it about Sid? He just I had know, something, I'm... just like. I know. Well, and, I mean. Jim you know Cornel- they say, what is it? What, what the hell is it? Like, seriously, what is it? Like I know, like I always loved him. He was like one of the first seals I ever rooted for. I don't know why.
3: <laughs> yeah. He just had something about him. Like, and it was like an, a, a, a gravitational pull it was Odd, but
1: I think it's cause he was like a big man, well-built, but not too overbuilt. Like, you know yeah. what I mean?
3: Up next we got Tommy rich and Ricky Morton with Robert Gibson in their corner, taking on the fabulous Freebirds, Michael PS Hayes and Jimmy jam Garvin with little Richard Marley in their corner. Uh, this went for six minutes, 13 seconds. Little Richard Marley. I wonder what that name is a mashup of. <laughs> hmm. They didn't make it incredibly obvious. I, it weird. Marley. <laughs> yeah. Well, Robert Gibson is on crutches with a brace over his entire right leg. Uh, Gav- er, Garvin and Hayes have the Confederate flag painted on their faces. What year are we <laughs> 90. in? Ninety. <laughs>
1: no i mean right now
3: Uh, oh yeah i know it just
1: look you may literally go to jail for doing that right now
3: yeah it's uh well you'll at least get punched in the face for it now uh but anyway little richard marley looks like cheeseburger's dad
1: wow (laughs) (laughs) am i wrong no and very well very well maybe
3: yeah i was looking at him i was like god dang he looks like cheeseburger but older uh, Marley slips off the top rope and hits Garvin in the back behind the referee's back. So Garvin treats him like Bart Simpson, and Garvin is Homer. <laughs> he just chokes you, him and shakes him. Yeah, exactly what he did. This leads to Morton being able to roll Garvin I, up for the pin.
1: I never thought of that. If <laughs> I'd have thought of that, I'd probably have been losing it laughing when I watched
3: it. <laughs> I was like, he's Homer Simpsoning him. Like, what the hell? But this, uh, and think about this The Simpsons were on TV at this time.
1: I think they're only in their second year, too.
3: Ah, yeah, right. Uncle Dave gave this one star. I thought it was worthy of two stars. What say you? Oh,
1: definitely one.
3: It wasn't a good match. And I'm agreeing with that fool a lot today. Holy crap. This was yet another match where, I mean, you and I have stated this before, show me a good Tommy Rich match.
1: Yeah. I don't understand, like, historians that go crazy over his skill or... He was,
3: okay, and I've stated this before, too. He's not bad. He's boring. Yeah. Like, and I would say he's like the, the whitest milk toast baby face ever. But he his blandness matches his skin tone. He's the dude, neon his nickname white.
1: was Wildfire, man.
3: Yeah, and he was more like, uh, if anybody watched Ragnarok, oh, you were like smoldering fire. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. blah. I just never gave a crap about Tommy Rich. I don't think I ever will. Even teaming him up with Ricky Frickin' Morton. Like, God, like that couldn't even make him exciting. Uh, I will say that him and Ricky were competing over who had the whitest, blondest hair. Either way, after the match, the Freebirds beat the tar out of Little Richie, or Little Richard Marley. Little after. Richie?
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> whatever. Oops. <laughs> they beat the tar out of Little Richard Marley after the match, hitting a double DVT on him. After they're completely done with the beatdown, then Morton and Rich chase them off. Now we got to make sure you kill the little dude before we chase you off out of here. However, the Freebirds he'll aren't done. <laughs> the, the Freebirds aren't done, and they double clothesline Robert Gibson on the ramp before Rich and Morton chase him off to the back again, while holding on to uh, uh, while holding on to Gibson's crutch. Just what the this hell? This would
1: be the catalyst, by the way, of him, of. Um... Ricky Morton going to the York Foundation. Really? Yeah.
3: Wow. Uh, that's uh, odd. Uh, didn't, didn't he feud with uh, Robert Gibson for a
1: while? I think they did, and then they got back together, obviously.
3: Oh. Yeah. Well, this I don't know. People were talking about, they were like, I don't know, the uh, Ricky Morton versus Robert Gibson was one of them things that sounded better in your head. Definitely. So, but up next, Tony Shimani interviews the U.S. champion Stan Hansen, who has his mouth of tobacco I was no. Like, I was about gagging during this one he literally had it dripping down his stomach as like ugh, and he's spraying it all over the damn place like Tony Schiavone's like standing back with his arm extended all the way out because he's getting sprayed with tobacco juice Hanson explains that this is basically just going to be a Texas bull rope match but they renamed it for him well so, I got a big fat wife and seven kids to feed <laughs> You remember that promo? Oh, yes. He did that in the WWF, I believe. <sighs> Oddly enough, he did not have a big fat wife at home. He has a little Asian wife that he met over in Japan. So
1: Carl Anderson's pleased.
3: Yeah, right. He was the original guy with a hot Asian wife. Uh, the Steiner brothers up next. Rick and Scott uh, represent Team USA. They're taking on Team Mexico, Conan, and Rey Mysterio. The semifinals of the tournament here. This one went just shy of three minutes. The signers hit their electric chair bulldog double team move on Conan almost, you yeah, know, within the first, like, 30 seconds. But they don't pin him for some reason. He lays there for a few moments, then he gets up completely fine, tags out to Mysterio. What the F was this? Uh, prolonging? <laughs> and it's just like, why do you hit your finisher right away, don't pin him, and then he no-sells it? The F!
1: Uh, Don't question anyway. logic. But well, Mysterio tries Although to... I didn't money. catch that, by the way. I'm not gonna lie.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, he lays there, kind of dead. They're kind of like, yeah, we hit our finishers. Uh, okay. And then that was it. And he just, like, <laughs> stands up and calmly walks over and tags out and gets on the you gotta, apron.
1: You always gotta admire your work and anything you do, dude. Come on. Yeah.
3: Morons. Uh, well, you know them, uh them degrees they got from the University of Michigan, uh, they 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 went to good
1: use. <laughs> <laughs> they did not go to Michigan for the degrees and you know it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mysterio tries to hit a running Frankensteiner on Rick, but he's caught and he gets hit with a falling power bomb for the win. Uncle Dave gave this one and a four star. I gave it one star. Whole thing sucked What say you?
1: I gave it a whole star. Yeah,
3: this blue ass. Uh, not really much else to say about that. Moving on. <laughs> Tony Schiavone interviews Barry Windham and Arne Anderson as they show footage of Ric Flair's limo being driven by Theodore Long, unbeknownst to him, being pulled over to the side of the road, and Long gets a team of four men to abduct Flair, dragging him off. Uh, I couldn't see who the four men are. One of them looked like Michael Hayes.
1: I didn't. I, I, yeah, I couldn't either.
3: I just saw a big blonde mullet and a beard, and I was like, Michael Hayes? I don't know.
1: But yeah, uh, that could have been anybody back in 1990.
3: <laughs> right keep in mind by the way something to to look at for the end of the show flair had long hair in this scene
1: because jim heard hadn't made him cut it yet
3: yeah re- remember that for the end of the show i'm just just <laughs> hold on to that thought
1: <laughs> I, I swear i just i just got what you mean okay go ahead yeah wow uh okay
3: right uh uh up next we got team japan and Great muda taking on uh the team for of the Soviet Union. Victor Zangief and Salman Hashimikov. Just, I just
1: I, say the Soviets. Okay.
3: Yeah, I I don't know how to pronounce that last F name. I whatever. It, team Dad Bod. I don't know. But either way. Uh it, again it's a semifinals match, went for just over three minutes. Mr. Saito hits a Saito suplex on the skinny balding one, whoever that is, and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch their names. I don't know. The skinny, so, balding one. <laughs> anyway, uh, he cradles he cradles him for a pin. Uncle Dave called this match watchable. Really? which, Which is the greatest compliment you could possibly give this match. Yeah, He called it watchable and then gave it one star. I gave it two stars because I thought these two teams did okay for three minutes with, like, stuff. I don't know.
1: Well, I think see. you're nuts. I gave it one star.
3: I like the mat wrestling of the Soviets, and I thought it went well with uh, um, the the Japanese team brawling with it. I don't know. Anyway.
1: I really feel like you're just looking for something to say now.
3: <laughs> it, it is what it is. I, I'm, like, trying to find some positives, but, I don't know. Moving on, not, not much positive about Even this, moving this whole here. tournament. Yeah. Uh, Tony Schiavone's in the crowd yet again, interviewing Tay Long and Doom. Long is wearing a Doom t-shirt and slacks, while Doom are wearing jeans and belly shirts. Yikes.
1: Because that's a look.
3: Yeah, bro. <laughs> wow. Long is trying to get over his homie don't play that catchphrase, and Damon Wayans needs to call his attorney. Do you get that I, one? I, I know. Did I it?
1: totally get it. I just didn't think you would.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was In living color on during this time? No, I think it just started. Okay, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out which came first. Did Long start it, and
1: then they Hell ripped it off? No. No, uh, hell okay. no. Homie the Clown
3: started it. Okay, that's what I thought. No, wait, who the hell is watching In Living Colour? Like, why what would was he a, re- It was a hot show, dude? Well no, no no no, that's not what I was getting at. Like why would why would he be watching in Living Color see the Homie the Clown skit and think, My God, I can get that over as my wrestling character? <laughs> Homie don't play that. Like
2: yeah.
3: what yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, The reason <laughs> I know, you know, the, all about the show. I didn't watch a ton of it, but I know about it. Yeah, But anyway, uh, I said Simmons looks angry and Reed looks like he just smelled. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Simmons, ah, yeah. lo- Simmons Simmons. looks angry and Reed looks like he just smelled a pretty ranked fart.
1: Uh, you know what I said about, about, about Reed? I'm like, is this where uh, Trevor Murdoch got his facial expressions from? That was one of my notes.
3: <laughs> he has this look on his face like he's like, Damn, who cut that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, somebody lied a match. Damn,
1: <sighs> a little too early for the dams.
3: Yeah, I, and, and wrong member of Doom. All right, uh, next match Stan Hansen defends the United States title against Lex Luger in a Texas Lariat match. It went for uh, just over 10 minutes. Uh, I said there's. An extremely stark contrast here between the ripped, jacked, and tanned Lex Luger and the doughy, pale Stan <laughs> Hansen.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
3: I said, this is all pretty sloppy. And it's basically just a brawl. Hansen loses a boot at one point. I was, like, going back and forth on this, so I, I didn't see where he lost the boot. Uh, Luger lunges for the fourth turnbuckle at the end. For those that don't know the point of the match, you have to go around and touch all four turnbuckles if anybody's seen the one, uh, my favorite, between Eddie Guerrero and, and JBL in WWE. But they didn't have lights at the time. He just had to kind of rely on the rep to shout into the crowd. But Luger lunges for the fourth turnbuckle, and he knocks the referee out in the process. Any Stevie Wonder could have saw that coming, by the way.
1: Yeah, it was clear as yeah, day. He got
3: the place. Yeah, the referee was standing right between him and the turnbuckle he needed to touch, and he wouldn't effing move. He stood there for like five minutes. I'm like, well, you know what's going to happen. Like, God dang. <sighs> but anyway, so the referee can't call the match for Luger. Another referee that runs down is uh, Nick Patrick. He runs down. He starts counting the corners for Hanson, who's now in control, who gets all four turnbuckles. Nick Patrick awards the match to Hanson. But the first referee, Randy Anderson, suddenly wakes up and he awards the match and the U.S. title to Luger. And uh, so Nick Patrick just waves it off, goes, oh, well, OK, well, fine, we'll go with what you said which never happens ever in wrestling, but whatever. Uh,
2: Uncle
3: Uncle Dave, eh, whatever, he gave this three and one fourth star. I gave it two and a half, because I said it was a very average Texas bull rope match. What say you?
1: Give it two. Did have fun watching it, though. Oh, yeah, it didn't suck. It was a waste of time, so...
3: No, I like both of these guys, and I know it's not a popular opinion to, you know, say you like Lex Luger's wrestling abilities, but I dug it. It was fine.
1: Well, if Uh, you like him, you don't know anything about wrestling, apparently.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and nobody ever liked Lex Luger, ever. He never got a positive crowd reaction, and if he did, it was very short and and blew over quickly. I'm just saying that for all of you that don't get the joke, all the dirt sheet writers claim that, so... You know, because we don't have ears and eyes, Greg. Or opinions. Right. Well, Jim Ross interviews Lex Luger at ringside after this. Luger is excited to be the U.S. champ and says that his journey isn't over. It's just beginning. And like a perfect Lex Luger promo, short and effing sweet. Get him in, get him out.
1: I think he was new to being a face at this point, too.
3: Uh, the next match is the team of Doom. Butch Reed and Ron Simmons defending the NWA World Tag Team titles uh, against Arn Anderson and Barry Windham. Teddy Long is in Doom's corner. This went for just shy of seven and a half minutes. Windham and Anderson almost look like they're wearing DX t-shirts. Like, did you think that?
1: I didn't, but
3: it's like I a must red, have not noticed. But... It was like a red circle, and then you got four horse heads, uh, and they were green like, going around, and it almost looked like in the, it was like the shape of an X, almost. So it almost looked like the new, like, the last DX t-shirts they had. Wyndham, speaking of haircuts, Wyndham chopped all of his hair off at this time, and he was like, I didn't know that he had short hair at this time. But he was wearing, he was wrestling in jeans, chaps, and a leather vest. So he's letting us know that he's very white.
1: <laughs> very Texan. Yes, very white, too.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, very-
1: He's <laughs> no, he's very white. <laughs> well, yeah. Dude, he's from Sweetwater, Texas, okay? But that name alone screams white. Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, good grief. Well, you know, the only two things come from Texas. Spears and Barry Windham. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Barry gets busted open against a ring post by Butch Reed. Reed gets busted open later on. Next to Bleed was Double A. Uh, I think Simmons was bleeding, but not very much. He had like a headband on, and I think it soaked up most of what what he was trying to bleed. Yep. The referee at the same time counts a three count as Simmons pins Arn Anderson and Barry uh, Windham pins Butch Reed. So there's no winner. You definitely wouldn't see any matches like this in the WWF until the mid-90s.
1: Yeah. So
3: this was a definite street fight. Uncle Dave gave this. Four stars. I was like, whoa. I gave it three stars. I thought it was good. What say you?
1: I gave it three. It was probably one of my most enjoyable matches of the night, actually.
3: Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, but I didn't think it was four freaking stars. I mean, like, good grief. It was it, it was under eight minutes. Like, I'm not saying that it has to be super long, but like, dang, dude, what the hell? Maybe it's because it was something different. Like, this didn't happen all the time back in 1990, so... Moving on past this, uh, we get another commercial for the upcoming Wrestle uh, War Games match, Wrestle War ninety one in February. Uh, and then we finally get the finals of the Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup Tag Team
1: Tournament. Yeah, this has been a barn burner too, man.
3: <laughs> I know. And finally, we come down to why does it always come down to Team USA versus Team Japan in you know, almost every tournament ever? You, is the obvious this, reasons? Was <laughs> it just me or is that like that's just the thing?
1: Well, TNA used to do a lot of USA and Mexico, so...
3: Yeah. Uh, But we get the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott versus the Great Muda and Mr. Saito. This match went for just shy of 11 minutes. Both teams get a ton of sparking pyro. Tiger Hattori is the uh, referee for this one. Behind the referee's back, Great Muda channels his uh, New Japan version of himself, and he hits Rick Steiner in the head with a ring bell. For anybody that... Well, he used the ring bell and the ring bell hammer a lot in Japan. So if anybody watches his stuff from over there, those are like his favorite weapons.
1: Uh, Besides the mist.
3: Yeah. Saito has a sweeper on Scott who tags out to Rick. Rick leaps over Saito's head and Sunset Flip pins him. And Scott holds Muda back as the Steiners get the win. Dave gave the three and a fourth stars. I gave it two and a half. What say
1: you? I gave it two. Didn't enjoy it that much, but it was fun.
3: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, just, I. Uh, I mean, I think it would have been better if they hadn't already wrestled like multiple times this freaking night.
1: And I thought it was weird that he kind of went like with the ring bell. I thought this was supposed to be pure wrestling. Yeah, then he decided to inject that. Which no, nothing wrong with it. But well, you got a the, nice streak.
3: So you got to put over the evil Japanese wrestlers taking on the USA yeah, guys.
1: Right. That's true. <laughs>
3: So, hey, at least we didn't have Guerrilla Monsoon going, my God, he Pearl Harbored him. <laughs> Ugh. But the models all come back onto the stage holding the national flags. Tony Shavani presents the Pat O'Connor Memorial International Cup to the Steiner brothers on the stage. And they thank the O'Connor family in attendance. They don't show them on camera for whatever reason. Uh, Jim Hurd then comes out to thank the O'Connor family and the fans, as well as to congratulate Steiner brothers. So, we get another Jim Hurd sighting.
1: Legend has it in the cup, there were some Pizza Hut coupons too.
3: My God. Yeah, then Scott, even back in 1990, stumbles all over his words. He says that the real heroes are over in Kuwait and says, But my great grandfather, my uncle, both my uncles fought in Korea and Vietnam.
1: (laughs) Uh. He can't even remember who fought and what. (laughs) Uh. My dad was in the Civil War. Yeah.
3: Uh, Rick then tells the troops in Kuwait to kick some butt. For those that don't get the time. already right? over, basically? Nah, we were, we, I, we were still in Desert Storm in 90. Like, it uh, was not
1: a war, though. It was a one-sided ass kick. He was over in three days. They were just over there for security. So, yeah,
3: <laughs> they were dragging it on. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event
0: marks pod. This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIO-RF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid in free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat
2: our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500.
3: William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting.
2: Now, back to our program.
0: Before the main
3: event, Dick the Bruiser stiffly walks to the ring dressed like tugboat, but in blue and white stripes instead of w- red and white stripes.
1: <laughs> wow, I didn't piece that together. Holy crap. Am I wrong here? No, but I just didn't see it till now.
3: <laughs> he dangerously kept referring to him as Popeye the Sailor Man. Well, oh, that one I caught, Yeah. During, during the match, he said something about, oh, I'm going to give a shout-out to his, to his wife at home, Olive Oil. He's making a nice spinach salad for him for when yeah. he gets home. <laughs> Damn it, Paul. Four black scorpions walk to the ring while a spaceship-looking thing lowers and closes while a Pyro explodes behind it. A voice comes over the PA system that says that uh, the four men we see before us are just messengers. There's only one true black scorpion and the pod opens, and a man in a different kind of black scorpion mask steps out wearing a silver sparkly cape. Uh, they zoom in way too close on the scorpion's face, by the way, and we can clearly see it's Rick-freaking-flare. Just that like... <laughs> oh, yeah, Tony Schiavone pointed out, he was like, he can't hide that beak. <laughs> <sighs> so, and, and that impeccable tan, by the way, can't hide that. Hey, what event is this? Uh, this is the main event of Starrcade, baby.
1: Yeah. Better have that tan going.
3: Oh, yeah. And he's taking on another man with an impeccable tan at this point. But, uh, you know, seven who years is, later.
1: Who is the butt of this
3: joke? <laughs> I know. <laughs> 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 well, uh this this main event match is uh, Sting defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against the Black Scorpion. It is a cage match with special guest referee Dick the Bruiser. It went for 18 minutes, 31 seconds. Uh, I will hand it to the Black Scorpion that, yeah, and I put in quotations, quote, the Black Scorpion. That he wrestled in a way that if his appearance wasn't so obvious, I wouldn't have been able to tell that it was him until about halfway through the match when he just said F it and started doing his normal stuff. Plus, only one man bumps the way that guy does. So, I mean, come on. Towards the end of the match, uh, Sting hits a stinger splash and then locks in the Scorpion Deathlock. but the Black Scorpion manages to crawl out of it Sting rips off the mask, but the black scorpion has a silver mask on under it. After a while, Sting throws the scorpion face first into the cage over and over and press slams him face first into the cage. The mask is ripped and the scorpion is bleeding because it's the main event of Starcade and, well, it's Ric Flair. So.
1: Nobody bleeds like that.
3: Yeah. What, what do you mean I'm in, a ma- I'm in a mask and I can't bleed? Hold my beer. <laughs> bro, he slit his throat, bro. <laughs> Uh, Sting hits a crossbody off the top for a pinfall victory. Uncle Dave uses a baseball analogy of the home team being up by six runs in the ninth inning when the greatest closing pitcher in history stepped up to finish it off. and was told by the coach that he All had right.
1: to... <laughs> but he had...
3: Go ahead before I finish the analogy here. You
1: don't bring in your closer in your head by six runs. So that already null and Void, that whole thing.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> i
1: I, is the absolute max three obviously to save it but four is the max you don't bring in a closer you have by six you save him
3: well even if you did you wouldn't bring if you had i mean you don't have just one closer on your bench do you
1: you have one dedicated but others can do it
3: okay well either way but he said uh, you bring in the greatest closing pitcher in history uh to step it up to finish it off and he was told by the coach that it Already, call him a coach. So it's it's a manager. But you know, whatever. It was told by the manager that he had to pitch with a mask on, and he wasn't allowed to throw any pitches that might identify him as the star closer.
1: That's like I mean, telling Mariano Rivera not to use the cutter.
3: Yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean, I get the analogy. He's not wrong.
1: Ah, uh, uh, there's a lot wrong with it, actually. But
3: well, he uh, he gave it three fourths of a star. He didn't even give it a full effing star. I gave it two and a half because I said it was very average, a very average cage match. And we'll get to the post match shenanigans here in a minute. But what say you?
1: I gave it two only because I was like kind of into it. Yeah, I didn't think
3: it was terrible. I myself,
1: I can do how it was when I was a kid. Yeah. And, like I really enjoyed anything Sting did. So.
3: And also, kudos to Flair for, like I said, until about halfway through the match, besides his appearance, I couldn't tell that it was him. He, was, he, he didn't do his normal stuff to indicate I'm Ric Flair. But the other uh, four black scorpions hit the cage and are beaten up and unmasked one by one by Sting and Dick the Bruiser. The horsemen then hit the cage with a chair, and they beat up Bruiser and Sting. Anderson DDT's uh, Sting on the chair and beats him up with the chair afterwards. Then all of a sudden, they're keeping the door closed to the cage so he can't get in the door. And we see the Z-Man, Tommy Rich, and Ricky Morton try to get in, quite the cavalry. But the horsemen fend them off. The Steiners rushed down with bolt cutters to open the locked cage door and take an eternity to do so.
1: The baby faces... Hey, I, that, you know, in their defense, that that looked hard, dude. I yeah. I mean, I don't think they were fumbling. I think they just couldn't do it. Yeah, they were like, what the ass? <laughs>
3: they had almost as hard a time with that cage door as Mark Henry did.
1: Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. We're seven years away from Kane just, like, pulling it off like a hair. <laughs> right? But the baby faces rush the cage. His thing rips
3: off the mask of the black scorpion to reveal. Oh, my God. It's Ric Flair with a new haircut.
1: <laughs> he chopped. All I didn't even his piece one. that hair thing together until now. Like, I mean, er, I mean, earlier in the night.
3: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was because I was sitting there. I was like, man, he did a really good job of tucking his hair up under that mask. And then I was like, wait a minute. He chopped all his. I don't remember hair, uh Flair getting a haircut in 1990. But now yeah, that I...
1: Jim Hurd wanted him to and he wanted him to wear an earring and he wanted to call him Spartacus.
3: I remember that, but I didn't think he did it. I just couldn't remember this. I, yeah, because when he
1: shows up today, B he has short hair.
3: Yeah, I forgot about oh, shorter. all Shorter. Yeah. Yeah, that whole thing was just uh, something, man. But, yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, we'll get into the final ratings on the other end of this final break of ours. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main marks pod.
0: Check out my summer picks. Here I'm at total wine for rosés and Zinfandel. Cool. Here's my boyfriend picking craft beers. Does he work there? Oh, he's more than a summer fling. Wondrous selection, helpful
2: guides, ridiculously low prices, total wine and more. Now, back to our program.
0: Alright, we are back. Final
3: ratings of the show, man. 234 out of 447 fans that responded to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave the show a thumbs up. 176 gave it a thumbs up, and the remaining 37 gave it thumbs in the middle reaction. The match between Doom and Arn Anderson and Barry Windham received the most votes for the night as uh, the night's best match, with uh, 238 votes, while the match between the teams of I'll just say the Soviet team and uh, Johnson and Montour received the most votes for the worst match of the night with 116. IMDB gave this 5.6 out of 10. Uh, CageMatch.net gave it 3.96 out of 10. I gave it 6 out of 10. What say
1: you? I really liked it. I said C+. Plus. I can't Overall. Say- <laughs> Overall what? Overall I liked it, but it wasn't Damn. great, but like, I had fun watching it. See, I can't say
3: I really liked it. I I will say I didn't hate watching the show. It wasn't like a slog necessarily, and I liked that they kept the matches kind of short. But, you know, uh, I don't know. It is what it
1: is. The whole thing didn't suck. No, no.
3: I I felt if I were to give, you know, judging on the uh, Wrestling Observer scale, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, I'd give it thumbs in the middle. It's not something where I was like, my God, thank God that show's over. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was fine. I'm hoping the next one we review will be better. And I don't know. Uh, Speaking of uh, getting into what we're reviewing next, on December 9th, we are going from WCW to ECW. We're covering ECW's Massacre on 34th Street, 2000.
1: This was. That was a fun show, actually. I'm actually looking forward to rewatching this.
3: I'm looking forward to rewatching it only because. ECW didn't completely suck in the year 2000, and I know uh, you don't hold a lot of things fondly from the the memory of ECW, but I know you've talked up, like, the end of 99 and the year 2000.
1: I uh, personally think 2000 was their best year, in my opinion. So,
3: Yeah, I felt like they were starting to step stuff up and look like a legit company at that point. Yeah,
1: which is is sad, because they're about to just go under. Right. That's horrible. Like, if you guys had done this before... Right. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that that would have changed much maybe it would have I don't know but
3: yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we just reviewed a show from 1990 we're skipping ahead 10 years to 2000 so uh, the show we just reviewed is, is about to turn 30 the show we're going to review next week is about to turn 20 so big anniversary here man I hope everybody had a great turkey day um, yeah uh, as we were rolling in to Christmas month here, we have five shows this month, not including the bonus show. So I'm excited about the bonus show. I am too. Uh, I have not. I've seen some of it, not all of it, and uh, I've seen it
1: a couple times. I'm looking forward to watching it back.
3: Nice. Well, we will uh, see you all next week on December 9th, where we go to the land of extreme for a massacre on 34th Street.
2: Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com.
1: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle
2: is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast.